0: Hi everyone, I'm Liam, and this is Words With Woman. Welcome to another episode of Words With Woman. Our guest for today is Malak Haresh, a senior officer at Fisheries and Oceans Canada. Malak is currently leading a project from home where 12 different nations in the Pacific Ocean are joined together to reduce illegal un-reported and reported unregulated fishing. During COVID-19, Malak took her passion for baking to the next level and started an online cake business. Today, she will be sharing with us her experience in the government and how she balances her work with her passion for cakes. So join us for words of advice, words of wisdom on Yuba Weekend Podcast, Words with Women. Welcome to Words with Women. For today's episode, we're joined by Malak, who is a Senior Program Officer at the Government in the Department of Fisheries and Oceans. So welcome, Malak, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. And we also have Iman, who is our connection to Malak. So thank you, Iman, for connecting us, Malak, and for being with us.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Super exciting. And um, I met Maloc, like while I was working with her for the G7 project. So it was super fun. <laughs>
0: Definitely. Well, before we start, uh, I want to wish you a happy birthday. I know yesterday was your birthday. I saw in your account. Yeah. So
2: uh, <laughs> thanks so much. Thank you. <laughs> happy birthday, Malak. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, it was quite nice. They had like a, my siblings had a, a whole thing planned for me and I had no idea.
0: Oh, that's so cute. That was really nice. So how's quarantine? How's work from home? How are you liking it so far?
2: Uh, It's been a major adjustment and it's crazy to think that we've been doing this for almost a year. Now yeah. that we look back at it, it's actually it's crazy to think about. It's been okay. It's a major adjustment, of course. Previously, to that, I I was working from the office five days a week, and as a man had previously said, I worked on a project. So before this, I was used to constantly going to people for answers because it's a project. You know, the nature of the project is that there's a lot of face to face meetings, lots of stakeholder engagement. So this switched the focus of the project to a non-face-to-face aspect. So now you're looking for answers in a different way Mm
1: -hmm. and you have
2: to adapt to that and you have to adapt to getting the answers in a different way than you would previously. More recently with the lockdowns, I've also been doing online schooling with my daughter. So we have a setup at home where her laptop is right next Mm -hmm. to mine (laughs) and I'm just constantly hearing her in the background all day. So being able to focus on the two and multitask has been also a major disruption and a challenge to my job. But, you know, management is very flexible and you make it work.
0: I also know that you're dealing with 12 different nations in the Pacific Ocean to reduce illegal unreported and, and unregulated fishing that is part of the G7 project. Do you find it difficult to manage this big project, especially when dealing with many stakeholders and different nations? It's definitely
2: challenging. I don't know if a man remembers this, but last year year we were preparing for the first inaugural meeting and this meeting was to be held in Vancouver. We had 12 different nations who were supposed to be participating in addition to NGOs as well who will be going to the meeting to present Mm -hmm. and Amen and I were working together to set up the meeting and we were collaborating on that together. But the interesting aspect of it is even before when we were planning for it, we didn't consider everything that we would need to consider and the reason being is that this was a new project for everybody. So you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And we needed to set up immigration documents for everybody to make sure that they had the required documents that they need to get into the Canadian border. And I was up very late last year trying to work with them because when we go to sleep, they're waking up. Yeah, And they have all of these questions that basically I can't wait until the next day to respond to because that's an extra day of delay. So I would be up probably sometimes until midnight sometimes until 1:30 a.m. trying to make sure that they have the you know the needed documentation but it was a great opportunity. You learn things that you didn't know before. It gives you different skills and speaking to different people from different nations. It's a challenge, of course, mm-hmm. but it's a good challenge and it's a positive way because it teaches you different things and sets you up for different events and you get all of the skills that you need to be able to do the other
1: events. Need. Mm-hmm. I remember when you would come to work, and you'd be like, "Oh, I stayed up till like two a.m. talking, to yeah. you. and <laughs> you'd still come to work, do all these like documents and all the work that needs to be done." I don't know how you yeah. did it, but
2: it was crazy. It was, yeah, it was tough. I'd come back home from work and I would open my laptop. I would turn it on and I'd continue to work because you have this huge meeting and that there are certain things that happen that I just can't leave until the next day. Yeah, I have to work on them in that moment. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they wouldn't get their documentation. You know, they wouldn't get my email until the next day, technically, because of the time zone differences. So I would speak with them and I would just, you know, make sure that everything is in order. And I tend to not also be able to delay anything. So mm-hmm. I don't have patience in that aspect. And I have to get that answer in that moment when I ask it. It was good in that aspect is that I was able to get it done and we had the meeting and it was successful and we had a great turnout. But
0: uh yeah, it was definitely overwhelming. But it was great. <laughs> I definitely find the time zone difference challenges just for me. This is not even like in the context of work. Like my family's not here and just talking to them sometimes I will have to wake up 7 a.m or like wait till midnight to just have a phone call mm-hmm. conversation. So let alone with work documentation or things that you have to be done, it's definitely challenging.
2: Definitely. We're actually looking at setting up a webinar with them in March. And we have to also consider time differences, is that what time are we going to hold this webinar that will be convenient for everybody because of the time zone differences? I mean, there are countries that have an 18 hour difference, which is... That's a big one. Yeah, it's a very big time difference. So what is the time that you're going to find that's going to be convenient for everybody? And is there even a time that's going to be convenient for everybody? And
0: probably not. So you'll just have to make adjustments according to that. I think one of them will have to sacrifice stay up for sure. Yeah. So I also know that you have experience in fraud and banking. So do you think your experience contributed to working in the government and like on this project as well?
2: I definitely so, when I was working at Scotia Bank and previously to that J. P. Morgan and Chase, I worked in their money laundering and terrorist financing. Department for around four years. And within that department, I took on various roles. So part of it was investigating accounts that are suspected of having money laundering or terrorist financing traits to them. So all of those different roles and the various roles that I took on as part of that department, I believe, helped set me up in working for the National Fisheries Intelligence Service at Fisheries and Oceans Canada. You're looking at accounts, you're doing analytical work and researching and drafting reports and working on databases and so on and so forth. So that investigative aspect of my job that I did for a few years helped set me up for my current job. And also previously to working for Fisheries and Oceans Canada, I worked as a consultant at Export Development Canada for almost a year, where I helped support their enterprise risk management transformation program. And I was specifically focused on their financial crimes project. So all of those combined, I do believe helped set me up for the skills that I needed to be able to do my current job.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You definitely have a lot of experience. Like I'm I'm very impressed right now. Oh, thank you. That's (laughs) fine. Uh, you definitely have a lot of experience and just from what you told us right now, how were you able to get such a big role at such a young age as well? and how was it for you like how was the process Are there any tips that you would like to share with students or young professionals as well
2: so for me I started I would say my career at a very young age as soon as I hit 16 the legal age to work I started looking for a job and I had it set in my mind that I wanted an office job and okay. those around me would say you can't get an office job as your first job that usually just doesn't work you have to start somewhere else before you do that and I said no I'm gonna get it
0: wow okay. and
2: it's funny I had an interview back then so before Sears closed it was called Sears Home Services and it was their off, office slash warehouse where all of the technicians would operate to perform home services for clients that had appliances and furnaces and so on so I worked as a technician dispatcher there for two years and I would also do customer servicing via email so it was for high-level complaints as well that I also worked on I did that for two years and that was my first job and I did that while I was still in high school.
0: Oh wow. So okay. I would work
2: yeah, I would finish school at three thirty and I would go straight to work until nine PM and that was Monday to Friday. And on Saturdays I would work seven to four. How did I you know, manage
1: that with high
2: school? I, I don't know. I really oh. don't know how I did it, but I I did it and others who know me know that I've always been on the go all the time. And I constantly have to be doing something or working towards something. And keeping myself busy in that aspect of things. And the summer I graduated from high school, I started working at the bank. And it set me up to work where I wanted to right now. Everything kind of started early for me. And I think it's great that sometimes things happen for you and your stars align. Mm -hmm. And everything that you're doing now is going to lead you where you want to be. So every step that you take in your life is going to lead you somewhere where you want to be. And you'll sort of realize that years later down the road. And you'll say, oh, like, this is why this happened. And this is why this happened. Is that so all of these little points can lead you to a specific place or yeah. a goal
0: it's like they fall into place and everything works out at the end
2: exactly yeah so yeah. I started when I started working at the bank um, I was working as a lending analyst and what that meant is that if a client wanted to increase their line of credit on their accounts with the mm-hmm. bank I would review their accounts for credit worthiness so, or so on and so forth and see if they qualify for that line of credit And that's when um, about a year or two into that job, I applied for mini laundering and I got the position and it just sort of all started from there.
0: I can see that you're very goal oriented, which kept you focused and getting what you want and advancing your career as well. But what would you say are the most important skills that someone would need if they want to build a career at the government?
2: So I definitely would say that drive is one of them. Having the drive to want to do what you want to do, uh, connecting with the right people, building a network of contacts to be able to get where you want to go. Sometimes you have to make things happen for yourself and things don't just come and sit, you know, in front of you. You have to work hard for
1: it and you have to strive to get where you want to be. Mm In terms of network, what kind of things did you use to? maintain those relationships with
2: connections so actually for me when i started working in the government um i had a colleague of mine who worked at scotia bank he worked for fisheries and oceans and he had informed me of that position So I Mm -hmm. applied for it. But the thing with the government is that the recruitment process is quite long. So it took me two years from the date I applied until the day I I got my job. And yeah, it's a very long recruitment process. But at one point during that process, they were waiting for my clearance application. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to get the job. So my current chief, he's not the one who had initially hired me. It was actually another chief. And I hadn't formally introduced myself to the new chief. And this was during the recruitment process. So I reached out to him and I said, you and I have not had a chance to formally meet yet. And I would like to introduce myself to you and discuss my skills further with you and so on. So we met up for coffee and I introduced myself and I spoke about my resume and my skills and my previous uh, experiences. And that led to where I am today. And it led to me getting the job. So it's sort of building that kind of network where we live in an age of social media. And I think that using social media as well to your advantage works great. So like LinkedIn, for example, is a great resource, I believe, for students or anyone else were to get a career in a specific field. Uh, you can always connect with people like recruiters and managers and so on. And it's a great way to meet new people and to just build a network. And
0: I also know, I think, for government positions, I know there's some groups on Facebook as well that people can join people post positions over there. It's such a solid network of people like internally posting about positions that students can either apply to or get in touch with someone who can give them information. I think that's very helpful.
2: For sure. So my I actually know somebody who got a very great internal job within the government just by posting on that Facebook group. It's about actually knowing the resources that you have at hand and using them to your advantage to be able to advance in whatever field you're looking
1: at. Mm-hmm. Especially during this time when network connections are a big part of building your career. Yeah, Definitely.
0: I honestly think it's a little bit more challenging as well right now, just because before you used to go on coffee chats people or you would go and network and network in events and you can just meet people like spontaneously but now that element I feel is lacking because everything is very structured and if you want to network or have like a coffee chat it has to be over zoom call and you have to send them a message on linkedin or something and since everyone is in front of their screen 24 hours almost by the end of the day people will get tired I don't know if the same like willingness let's say to have a chat with a student or a young professional is the same so I think these are at least like, from my perspective, some of the challenges that come with online networking.
2: Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I mean, for me, I function better when it's a face-to-face meeting. Many other people are like that. If, for example, I was thinking of myself, is that, oh, it's sort of different because having a Zoom meeting and scheduling a Zoom meeting formalizes it a lot, where mm-hmm. if you wanted to meet with somebody informally over coffee, it's sort of different. It's a more relaxed environment yeah, uh, where you would be able to introduce yourself. But going through the process and being able, you know, and having to set up a Zoom call and finding a time that's convenient for the both of you is definitely a challenge. So I can definitely understand that.
0: Yeah. And you have to have all your questions ready. So to make sure not to waste (laughs) the other person's time. For sure. Uh, Yeah.
2: (laughs) We're living in a very interesting time right now. We can just be hopeful that this will be Mm -hmm. over in a few months and we can all go back to the way that we're used to going about things and operating. But who knows what the future holds at this point.
0: Definitely. Mm -hmm. So, Melek, I'm very curious about your business. I know that you started recently making cakes and baking online as well and using your Instagram. First of all, how did you learn? That is the first question I have.
2: (laughs) It's actually a funny story. A few years ago, I was having my friends over and I wanted to make a cake. I baked the cake and it turned out awful. It actually <laughs> it actually completely collapsed when it came out of the oven. I didn't know how to put it on a plate. It sort of turned into pudding. Okay. And I still, I frosted it and everything. And it was the joke of the night. And I still have a picture where all of my friends were standing over it. And they all took a picture of it. And they said, you know, we're going to remember this cake forever. Just <laughs> because of how it turned out. So I told them at the time, I said, just wait, I'm going to bake another cake and it's going to turn out much better than this one. So I started baking and I started doing some research on the science of cakes and the art of cake and baking and so on. And I didn't realize that there was so much to cakes that I didn't even understand. So I thought to myself, okay, I would really like to have my skills developed enough to make my daughter's two year birthday cake. I started doing more research on the type of cake I wanted to make for her. And I made her her birthday cake for her two years. And it didn't turn out that great, to be honest with you. I also have pictures like I had just started. So I said, okay, this didn't work when I made her cake. How can I make it work for her three-year birthday cake? And I have progression pictures on how each year for her birthdays, my skills just slowly started to get better. And I realized that I had a passion in cakes that I just didn't know that I had. And I would just think of new cakes and new techniques that I just wanted to try. And I started to buy all of these tools. And I would make cakes for family events and birthdays and for my friends. Yeah. And I was encouraged
0: by those around me. Why don't you turn this into a business? Mm-hmm. Since It's such a passion of yours. And I've been doing it ever since. You know, this reminds me. I don't know if you go on Twitter, but I personally go on Twitter a lot. And the, the tweets, how it started and how it's good going uh yeah. i don't know if you know them so if you have the first cake I've and then them. like how it how it is right now it will be an
2: amazing one <laughs> I, i've seen them and it's funny because i do actually plan on I'm, I'm doing a side by side this yeah. is hearted and this is where i'm at now and it's just a great example of how having drive and having passion to drive you mm-hmm. to
0: where you to be is a great example of that and being consistent because just the fact that you kept going after not having it great the first time and just Mm keeping going that's itself it is big i know for myself if i tried it the first time and i failed (laughs) probably i wouldn't even try it a second time and i'm just gonna order it yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think for me anything believing that
2: anything within the realm of possibility is possible Gives you so much motivation because we have so many capabilities that we don't really necessarily ever appreciate or know that we have. Mm -hmm. So knowing that you can really do anything that you want to do sets you up for success and for meeting the goals that you want to have. Previously, I would look at photos of cakes done by professionals and I'm like, oh, my God, how do they know how to do that? I can never get there. But changing that focus and that mindset to I will get there. I just have to keep practicing is the mindset that I needed and the mindset that I had to get me to where I am today.
1: I have personally tasted Malak's cakes, and it's hard for me to believe that you like your first couple ones weren't as good because they are amazing. <laughs> like I got fried it I and I love them. But I know like for your business you um took it more seriously as COVID started. How was starting your cake business like taking it more seriously with COVID and singing and everything? So when COVID first started, I had a
2: lot of time on my hand and I was working from home. So working from home, you're saving time on transportation. When before COVID, I would have to drop my daughter off at school and go to work. And that was one hour going to work and back every single day. So now I have two hours during my days that I didn't have previously Mm -hmm. that I was able to use to my advantage. So I said, okay, this is something I've been thinking about doing And I finally had the courage to start doing that now because those two hours, when you really calculate them, it's a long time. It's an extra two hours that I can have to bake a cake, to work on a cake. So I started to be able to, you know, devise a plan. How would I be able to manage this? I have my job. I have my daughter. And as you know, I'm a single mom. So that on its own is also a whole other responsibility. So what I did was, okay, I set myself a goal. And I said, if I'm able to make four cakes a week, on average, four cakes a week, I could bake them, let's just say, on my lunch while I'm working from home. And as soon as I'm done my work, I could frost it. I could be there to tend for my daughter. And after she goes to bed, I would be able to make the decorations and in the morning before I start my job, I could take the pictures because you need good lighting for it yeah. uh, and then start my day. So if I was working in a in the office environment, it could be different for me. I would still be able to do it, but it would definitely be a major adjustment in terms of, for example, taking photos or getting it done. Or if I'm able to stay up as late as I do now to be up early to take my daughter to school and then go to the office. So post COVID, I think it will be interesting to see how that's going to pan out. Will mm-hmm. I continue working from home? Will I go back to the
0: office? So that's yeah.
2: sort of a TBC. Yeah, no, hopefully
0: just from what I'm hearing right now, you seem very organized and everything. I'm pretty sure you're going to find a solution to it and just keep doing the business. Because honestly, I haven't tried your cakes yet, but it's on my list. Sometimes I literally just open Instagram and go through them. Oh, that's so nice. (laughs) So I can decide which one I like and like keep the criteria (laughs) in my head.
2: (laughs) You know, actually yesterday I made my brother's cake. And I, it was a marble cake with a cookies and cream filling. And that's probably my favorite flavor combination to date. Okay. It was delicious. So let me know when your birthday is and I'll make I'll yes. it for you.
0: And I will <laughs> keep it in mind as well. <laughs> so um, just as you said right now, like you have a lot of responsibilities. You're a single mom, work on top of like your business. Have you ever felt that all your commitments are taking a toll on your mental health as well? Uh, definitely.
2: And I actually started feeling that a lot more recently. Before that, before COVID, before I started making cake, I still have some time on my hands but I'm the type of person who is always go, go, go. I'm always getting things done and I can't sit to watch TV. I just can't because I'm thinking in my head, how am I watching TV knowing that there's so much more to be done? But at the end of the day, if you reflect on that, it's very important to love yourself as well and to be able to tend to your own mental health. It's very overwhelming. So, you know, during the day I'm working, And then after work, I have to tend to my daughter. And then after she goes to bed, I'm working on cakes. And sometimes I'm up till 3 Mm a.m. And then I have to wake back up at 7 to 8 a.m. So it's very overwhelming. But I make sure that I keep at least one hour to myself every day where I could go for a run, where I could work out. And before lockdowns, I would go to the gym. And the gym for me was my therapy. It was where I reflect, Mm -hmm. where I focus truly on myself and nothing else. And I focus on my own growth, whether that be like physical health or mental health or so on and so forth. So being being focused on that, you could have a drive, you could have the passion, you could have all the jobs that you want, but you really, really need that focus on yourself and that self care to actually drive you to where you want to be, Mm -hmm. because you'll just get worn out. And you will you'll just lose the passion that you have if you're not caring for yourself, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and it's a good reminder for me because sometimes I tend to forget that. So I prioritize my mental health above all else, because when you're in a good state of mental health, you're able to do mm-hmm. everything that you want to do. Yeah. That's
0: definitely a reminder for myself as well. As you said, like one of the things that I always feel guilty doing is watching TV. It's just so hard for me to just sit down and watch TV. To the point that sometimes I will watch a documentary to make it feel like it's not a show, like I'm learning something Mm because it's a documentary. So I feel less guilt doing that. It sounds a
2: lot like me. That sounds a lot like me. (laughs) And I think that all the time, like how am I sitting here watching TV, knowing that this in the house has to be done or knowing that I have this gate? But I always give myself a pep talk and I literally say it out loud. And I say, Malak, it's all going to be okay. If you sit here for one hour and watch TV, it's all still going to be okay. And I keep saying it to myself because I always need that reminder. And that's also because I don't like to leave anything unfinished.
0: Yes. If that makes sense. Oh my god, I'm um, 100% I know what that yeah, means. Yeah, so it's like how can I leave that sitting
2: there yeah. and just go and watch TV because my mind is going to be on that all the time. Yeah. But it's funny, even when I sit and watch TV, I still have time to finish that. Yeah. And I constantly remind myself of that all the time like if I put an hour in for working out at home or when the gyms are open going to the gym or going for a run I still have time to get everything that I need to get done and regardless you'll find the time to get it done and it will still be done Mm -hmm. and it's all going to be okay
0: no 100% like one of the techniques that I try to do just to be okay watching tv or doing other things whenever I remember something I will write it down just so I stop thinking about it and Mm -hmm. just put it on the side like on my to-do list like okay this will be done tomorrow so I don't need to think about it right now but sometimes it's a little bit hard I stay like so glued to my laptop after I finish work Mm -hmm. or just school then I will move to women and work on them as well but there isn't anything urgent you're just there because you want to get it done and you don't want to like have it (laughs) exactly
2: Exactly. But writing it down is actually a great technique because as soon as you write down your thoughts, you're materializing it and you're putting it in action just by writing it down. So thinking it is usually not enough. And I'm saying that for myself too, is that I could think it, but as soon as I write it down, that's different because you've just put your thoughts into action. Yeah. And writing it down on its own is such a big step to take because you're materializing it and therefore you're you're setting it in stone. And more often than not, you will actually end up doing that just because you wrote it down.
0: Exactly. So
2: writing it down is, is a great technique to yeah. use.
0: Thank you for being with us. Now we're going to move to the last part of the podcast. Uh, It's the rapid three, two, one. For this section, we'll have three questions. The first question will have a three word answer. The second question will have a two word answer. And the last question will have a one word answer. So for the first question, what are the three values that got you where you are today? If you have to pick three, what would they be?
2: Uh, I would say ambition Mm-hmm. Discipline and growth, having that drive to lead you to where you want to be is one of the most critical uh, values that I have today that got me to where I wanted. Okay,
0: definitely. And for the second questions, what are the two things that make you feel inspired or motivated?
2: So I would say uh, it's my daughter Maria and passion. I'd love for my daughter to grow up having a role model to look up to. And I'd love to teach her that having the passion that you want in life will get you to where you want to be. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: I do believe that I am where I am today is because I have a passion for cakes, I have a passion for working. I have a passion for getting done. And having that as my goal and having her as an inspiration so that I can be an inspiration to her as she grows older helps me keep going. Yeah, so so you. You. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though she just interrupted it, but I still love her anyway. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs>
0: yeah. Exactly. Ev- every parent struggle with COVID. Their kids uh, interrupted work, but it's okay. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And for our last question, what is the one skill that you think is very important in all aspects of life?
2: Uh, I would say definitely consistency, being consistent all the time, not giving up. I always like to say that practice is controlled failure. And the reason why I say that is because as you go on, you will obviously fail and not get to where you want to be right away. And you only get to your goal and your objective by being consistent in your training, in your practicing, in your constant self-development. So maintaining that consistency all the time and being positive and believing that you will get to where you want to be will help you achieve that.
0: I love how you said practice is controlled failure. I think that will stay with me. And
2: I, I, I heard that once and it really stuck to me. And it's a really good point. And I always tie that to, for example, like when I'm at the gym, being able to, you know, let's just say to grow muscle, for example, Mm -hmm. the way that you achieve that is by working out your muscles to failure. So your muscles literally have to fail in order for them to adapt and grow. Mm -hmm. So by using that and using that connection and seeing that practice is controlled failure is you're literally failing. But you know that because you know that these failures or these hiccups that you have along the road will actually help you lead where you want to be. So keeping that in mind and being consistent in your practicing in your self-development, in your self-growth, in your drive, in your passion will help you get there for sure. I think
1: that's well said because I think consistency is the hardest thing, but like mm-hmm. you keep reminding yourself mm-hmm. and keeping consistent with it all, it, it becomes really helpful for the future. Definitely.
2: Yeah. And the more that you go on though, the easier that it gets is mm-hmm. what Absolutely. I think because it becomes a lifestyle. Having that discipline is difficult and it's always difficult starting things right. And I say that to myself based on previous experiences, it's always hard starting. But Mm -hmm. when you start and when you're constantly maintaining it and you maintain it as a habit, it just becomes a lifestyle and it just becomes a way that you function and the way that you think and everything. So it literally changes everything around you. So I think that consistency is very critical.
0: Definitely. Personally, I always believe that consistency is very essential in everything that you do, like mm-hmm. just starting the podcast during summer. One of our main goal was to stay consistent, having it bi weekly. So I know it comes challenging sometimes but the more you do it as you said like it gets easier
2: exactly so you just get yourself used to it and obviously sometimes it won't work out the way that you want it to and that's okay it yeah. doesn't always have to but just remind yourself that you can get back to it and there are circumstances sometimes that are stronger than you that prevent you from doing it and that's okay mm-hmm. too you yeah
0: know? well mm-hmm. thank you for joining us this was so much fun it was so great seeing you again <laughs> oh it was so nice seeing you this was really nice